0: It's good to see everybody this evening. Uh, yeah, Mark said, my name is Luke. I'm a MERS student. I'm also the high school pastor. Uh, so it's my privilege to bring the word again uh, this Saturday night. So uh, a little bit about me. Uh, we all have peaks, right? We have the golden years, right? Uh, mine was grade 10. Uh, I had hair. I had friends. I was playing <laughs> sports. It was a great time, right? Some of us here are like in our 40s and still peaking, right, Dean? Like it's still, you're still getting there. One day you'll peak. Uh, so like we, 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 we peak, right? Grade 10, that was, that was it for me, right? Grade 10, going to Moet, I had this long, long thick hair, it was awesome Barely put a football helmet on, <clears throat> maybe that's, never mind uh, And so, uh, grade 10, uh, I played two, two different teams for football I played uh, for uh, my community team, the Abbotsford Falcons And my high school team, the Moet Hawks uh, and so the practices, we, we would practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, game on Saturday for Moet, and then we practice Tuesday and Thursday nights, a game on Saturday for uh, community football. So uh, lots of football. So this was, this was great for me. Uh, we ended up being in the championship game for both teams. So we played on the Friday for Moet, and then Saturday we played community football, and we got to go for the championship in that game. So Friday, we won. It was a close game. Uh, We got our rings. We got our jackets. We were, like, super excited. But then me and a couple other friends were like, okay, now we got to do this again the next day. So we got to play in the morning. That game was a lot closer. Um, It went to overtime, and... uh, It turns out I I happen to be the best kicker on my team. That doesn't mean I'm the best kicker. That just means I'm the best kicker on the team. I asked tons of soccer friends, be like, hey bro, like help us out. We just need someone who can kick a ball. I can't, can you just please help us out? And he's like, there would always be the same thing would always happen. My mom doesn't want me to get a concussion. And I'm like, bro, I don't remember ever getting one. (laughs) The guys who don't get it, you probably had a concussion. (laughs) Uh, so uh, it, we're in overtime, right? And how Canadian football uh, works is that each team gets an opportunity to score. And so we score and now uh, here I come to kick the extra point. And my, our holder, uh, you might remember him, his name's Daniel Markin. And Daniel Markin was the MERS student, he graduated and he's my holder, one of my best friends. And uh, the guy, I don't know the center's name, but he snaps the ball and it's just, it just rolls right to Daniel. And so as a kicker, you kind of have three seconds before uh, the kick will get blocked or you'll get hit. So I'm counting my head one Mississippi, two Mississippi. Daniel's trying to get the ball onto the tee and he just lays it flat down. So it's flat, it's flat on the tee. And i have my foot in the air like this, like Daniel, am I ready? He's like kick and I kick it. It hits the back of the center, but it rolls off the back of the center. One guy swats it. I don't know how he swatted it backwards. He swats it backwards, hits the post and rolls over. Everyone just sees that it went through. I look at Daniel like, Daniel, did that just happen? Did we, did we just, and everyone's like patting me on the butt and I'm like, this is sweet. I can't believe that went in. We ended up winning the game because of that extra point. The other team actually missed their extra point. So we won because of that. And I'm like, wow, what an incredible rush of adrenaline. And so what does grade 10 me do? Oh, I I go out and I tell everybody, guys, you would never guess how we won. And I tell this story time and time again. Do you know how long ago that was? 14 years. And I still talk about it and I still remember it like it was yesterday, hair in my face, parting it. Oh man, it was good. Yeah, the hair. So what, what I want to talk about, we're, we're going to be reading Psalm 145. And what I want you to know is God is great. God is faithful. And what we see, what, what, why I tell that story is when something great happens, what do you do? Like when something amazing happens, what, what is your reaction? What do you do when this happens? And what we're going to see in, in Psalm 145 is something great happened to David. David. He sees how great God is, so he does something in response to God's greatness. He sees that God is great and God is faithful, and there's actions that happen because of how great and how faithful God is. Just like there are actions for when I hit the game winning extra point. There's actions to it as me telling everybody. So when David is writing this psalm, he he is writing to show how great our God is and how faithful he is. So that's what I want you to remember, is God is great, God is faithful. That's the big idea I want us to walk away with, that God is great, God is faithful. So I'm going to read uh, the Psalm 1 to 21, uh, so you can follow along with me on the screen. I extol you my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever, Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generation. That is Psalm 145. So what we see here, we wanna look at the first part one to 13. And what we see here is that God is great. And if God is great, we wanna take out three practical applications from this. Praise him, remember him, and proclaim him. Those are the three. Praise him, remember him, proclaim him. Praise him, remember him, proclaim him. That is what I want us to understand. If God is great, this is what we do. And we'll look at the psalm to see how this happens. So the psalm was written by David. David was uh, the second king of Israel. uh, And he writes out of his experience of how great God is, that he looks in his past to see how great God is and then writes about it how faithful he is and how in his experiences, God has proven to be great. And we can think back to a couple examples in the book of Samuel and the book of Kings to see how faithful and how great God has actually been to David. The story of uh, David and Goliath. Through this, this boy from anywhere from age 11 to 17, he defeats a giant using a stone. God has shown how great he is by using weak vessels to win about a, a big victory. He has seen t- countless times, David is on the run from his enemies and he's cornered and his enemies don't see him. He hides in the back of a cave. They don't find him there. Time and time again, David is, uh, escapes from danger because God is great. God saves him and plucks him out of the hand of danger. God shows how great and faithful he is throughout David's life. And so David experiencing this, knows this, David's life experience dictates his praise. David's life experience dictates his praise. So let me ask you this. Do you know him? Through the life experience that you've had, through the knowledge of the word, do you actually know him? See, David knows him and can write these things because he knows who God is. He knows who God is. And so he can write these things. Do you know God? Uh, there's a, a pastor, a rapper, a theologian named Shai Lin, the big three, uh, every pastor's dream. Uh, and he has a song, uh, and this is, this is what it says. It's a very short song. Theology is the study of God and it's very important. Doxology is an expression of praise to God. So the point here is that all theology should ultimately lead to doxology. If theology doesn't lead to doxology, then we've actually missed the point of theology. So if you have theology, without doxology, you have just dead, cold orthodoxy, which is horrible, right? On the other side, we have people who say, forget theology, I just want to praise. But if we have doxology without theology, we actually have idolatry because it's just random expression of praise but it's not actually informed by the truth of who God is. So God is concerned with both. He's concerned with an accurate understanding of him and that accurate understanding of him leading to response of praise, adoration and worship towards him. Do you know him? Do you know God? If you know God, it'll have an adequate expression of praise. Our theology will lead to doxology. Our life experiences and what the word says will dictate what we think of God. See, we need to know who God is. See, and this is what David says. This is how David praises him. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. This is the language David uses because he knows the character of God. Do we know the character of God? Do we spend time with God? We have a chance every single morning, every single night, every single lunch hour, or whenever we have a break in the day to meet with the God of the universe. Do we know him? See, I love my wife. My wife is fantastic. Um, I get to meet with a lot of young men and I get to tell them of like, hey, if you're looking for a future spouse, let me just name you some characteristics of the nay and these are things that you should look for. And I can just talk for a long time about how great she is. She's funny. She's kind. She takes care of me. She forgives me when I sin. Uh, She asks for forgiveness when she sins. Uh, She makes me coffee in the morning. She makes the bed. She does a lot for me. She takes care of me. She makes sure I shave all my head. Uh, She does so much for me that I can just go on and on and on and on and on about how great she is. But But she is my wife and someone I spend a lot of time with. So I should be able to say those things. If one of my guys was like, Luke, what do you love about my wife or your wife? And I'm like, uh, let me get back to you on that one. Like, that's not a good response, is it? J- husbands, that's not a good response. Right, that, that's a terrible look because I spend so much time with her. I should know her. We have an opportunity to meet with God all the time. He's there. Do we know him? Do we know he is someone who is greatly to be praised? Do we know God? A.W. Tozer, who is a theologian, says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me read that again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us because our knowledge dictates action. Our theology leads to doxology. We need to know rightly so we can praise rightly. So how do we praise? See, look at the language David uses. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. This is a God who has shown himself to be great in David's life. What language do we use? The scriptures is filled with how awesome God is. Read, read the Old Testament, read through the Old Testament. See how Israel is so incredibly unfaithful and God is so incredibly faithful. How time and time again, God saves them. Look into the New Testament and how we have been saved by grace and grace alone. Look, look at the word, how he sustains his people. David's response to this is to praise him. So we can do exactly what David does. We can write a psalm, write out our prayers. Journal, write to God, talk to God, praise him that way. Uh, Singing worship songs are so good for us because it's a congregation together with one voice saying the truths of who God is, of how amazing and how perfect he is. They're important and they actually dictate our actions because we act on what we think. And if we think God is great, we'll act like God is great. And so we need to have a right understanding and what, this, what we do with that right understanding is we praise him. We praise him, we praise him. So not only do we praise him, but we remember him. Okay, so let's look at verse four to verse seven. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. What David is saying here, he's like, tell the people, remember, remember what God has done, meditate on it. See, it says in verse five, I will meditate on your wondrous works. That is what we're supposed to do. What, he, what David wants the reader of this psalm, the hearer of this psalm, is to meditate on the awesome deeds of who God is. See, if, if you know the history of Israel, Saul was the first king, and then we have David, and that's like the glory years, like me in grade 10, and then we have uh, Solomon, his son, who comes after that, and that's where sort of the cracks start to show. When Israel looks back, they're like, David was our golden year. Solomon, meh, it was okay, he, he brought in too many wives, made too many foreign deals. Uh, he, uh, Samuel actually lays out in, in 1 Samuel, things kings should not do. Solomon ignores all of them. So the cracks start to show. And then by the time Solomon's dead, Rehoboam, his son is in charge and the nation split. Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And they start to forget God. They start to put up polls, uh, where they worship under upon the on the high mountains, foreign gods have come in and they start to worship those gods instead of Yahweh. See what that happens is they actually forget, they stop meditating, and they forget. And forgetfulness leads to fruitlessness. I want to, I want hear this: forgetfulness leads to fruitlessness. This is, this is what forgetting God is like. It leads to fruitlessness. Think about things you forget in your life, right? Like changing your oil. What happens when you forget to change your oil eventually? I don't know. It breaks or something. Uh, my dad, my, my, my parents are like mechanics, so they change my oil. Um, uh, so kidding, I changed my own oil. I'm a man. Okay. Uh, so it leads to forget uh, fruitlessness, right? You forget your kid at the park. Husbands, what happens then? <laughs> fruitlessness, fruitlessness happens. Uh, you forget to uh, water your plants, which we often do, or I do, Danae doesn't, she's perfect. Uh, it leads to dead plants, right? We can, see, we can see what happens when we forget things. It leads to fruitlessness. We forget our kids, fruitlessness. We forget to change our oil, fruitlessness. We forget God. Fruitlessness. When we forget to meditate on the wondrous works of what God does, fruitlessness happens. Verse 4 On one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty. And on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. So what does David want us to do? What does he want the reader to do? He wants you to remember. He wants you to remember the wondrous works of what God has done in your life. Remember the wondrous works that are done in the word of God, how God has been faithful to Israel for generations and how God is faithful in your life. Remember how God has been faithful, how he's been so great in your life. Uh, A couple months ago, uh, I was talking with one of my students. Uh, She is now graduated, and I was asking her, I'm like, okay, so, uh, how have you seen God uh, work in your life the past week? Like, where have you seen Jesus? Um, And she's like, "Uh, Luke, it's it's interesting you ask that. Like, I was going through my prayer journal that I wrote three, four years ago. And I was praying in this time, four years ago, I was praying for my cousin that he would become a Christian because he did not know God. He was walking away from God. He started going down the bad path of like uh, drugs, of alcohol, of doing a party and doing what he wants. And she's like, Luke, you're like, I was reading this and I forgot I prayed this. I forgot that I prayed and I look, he's like, prayed for him again, prayed for him again, prayed for him again. And now he's a Christian. And now he knows Jesus and loves Jesus and wants to be with Jesus. Like, that is amazing. I completely forgot about this, but it's because I wrote this down that I remembered. When I was uh, 17, I became a Christian right after high school. So I graduated high school, became a Christian uh, and then went off to Cape and Ray. Um, I have twin sisters who are two years younger than me. And they gave me a letter as I was leaving. And it says, do not open until I'm playing. And so I get it. I get the letter. I'm like, okay, don't open the plane. Okay, I'm sitting on the plane. Open it up. It's like an eight-hour flight, so I got time. Uh, open the letter. Start reading. And essentially, what it says is, you were a terrible brother. <laughs> true. True. I was not. I was not a good brother. Um, but we prayed for you uh, for a year for you to come to know the Lord. I'm like, that's faithful perseverance of my sisters, of someone who hated them, of someone who was not kind to them, and they would faithfully prayed every single day for a year that I would come to know the Lord. Greatly is he praised. Like he is so, so good, and we remember those things. That was an event that happened in my life now 12 years ago. I will never forget that, of how my sisters Prayed. And I'm sure my parents did too, and my brother. But that letter, that written letter was such an encouragement to me to help me remember. It makes me look back and see, God, man, you've been so faithful. You saved me when I did not deserve it. When there was nothing good in me, you saved me. So remember him. Uh, we, can, we can do that by writing our own prayers down, what we're praying for. And then every once in a while, taking a look back, like, how has God answered these things? Today, and I have been absolutely blessed to be able to pray and then to look back and be like, oh my God, you, you did so much. We had no idea you'd do stuff like this. And seeing the faithfulness of him time and time again. Remember him. So we praise him, we remember him, and lastly, we proclaim him. The Lord, or verse 8 The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. And his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. To make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. See, David knows that he is a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And so he's experienced that. And you might be sitting here and be like, Luke, like, I don't feel that. Like, life feels hard. Like, I don't feel that God has been loving or faithful or whatever this is that you've been preaching this whole time. I don't feel it. And that might be true. Like, you might be in a place in your life right now where you feel like you're in a desert. Let me remind you, dear Christian. Let me remind you of who you are. Once you were in sin, once you were steeped in sin, once you were so dead in your trespasses that God looked at you and he said, I want you. That He said, I'll send my son to live a perfect life, a sinless life and die the death that you deserve. So that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life and not just life, life to the full. Life, life to the full of knowing God knowing who he is, he invites you into this family. And he calls you son and he calls you daughter. There's no life circumstance that can take that away. No hard time in your life that can take that away. Even if you don't feel it right now, feel the love or feel that God is close to you, he is near. He is present. He does care. He cares so much more than we could ever know. See, God, God has taken you and said, "You are now mine." This is how great our God is, and it's that God that we proclaim. It's that God that we proclaim. That God has forgiven us from our sins and given us new life, given us new titles, put a robe on us, put a ring on us. The family ring says, you are now mine. He has called you son. He has called you daughter. This is what we proclaim. Like the God of the universe wants you. That he sent his son so that you may have life. And so we, we see this and we look back and you're like, okay, yes, I see how God has saved me. But why is it so hard sometimes to proclaim him? Why is it so hard? If God is so great, shouldn't it be easy? And I've done, I've done lots of like soul searching on this of why do I struggle sometimes to, to actually proclaim God, to actually uh, to make known to the children of man, your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Why is that hard sometimes? And I think in my heart in my, my, or my excuses that come up, there's two things. One, I don't believe certain people can come to know God. And two, I don't think God can save people. So it's either I look at my heart, it's like, I don't think that person can come to know him or I don't think God has the power to save them. And those are two absolute ridiculous reasons for not to proclaim him because those are not simply true. I look at myself, you can look at yourself, We we are not better than the average person. We are completely and utterly average. But yet God saved you. If, If he can save you, he can save anyone. If he can save me, he can save anybody. There's nobody that's out of his power. There's nobody that's stronger than our God, that's greater than our God. God can turn anyone's hearts to him. There's nobody who's too evil. There's nobody more powerful. God is great, God is faithful. See, this is why it's so helpful to look or to, to write our prayers down and to look back at them. My sisters would have thought, we're going to pray, but we don't know if this will actually work. God is faithful. Today and I have been praying for, uh, three, or, uh, for three years, people to come to know God, to come to know him. And it still, we will still continue to pray. And we trust that God is faithful and he'll bring them to know him. Continue to pray and proclaim. So we look at these things God is great. So we praise him because he is great. We remember him because he is great. And we proclaim him because he is great. Those are the the three things in that. And now we want to look to the second half of the psalm to God is faithful. The Lord is faithful in all his works, in all his words, and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. So God is faithful. And what kind of faithful God? He is faithfully forgiving. David is showing that he is faithfully forgiving. Because you see in verse 14, it says, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. He is faithful to forgive. So what do you do when you sin? What do you do? Because this is what he's talking about. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. See, I meet with a lot of young men um, and there's always, uh, not always, but there's very common uh, things that I talk about with young men. Uh, One of them is pornography. And we we talk about it and it's a a sin a lot of young men struggle struggle with, if not most. And when I talk about it with them, I asked them, so like, when do you go to Jesus? And they're like, Luke, what do you mean? And they're like, I'm like, when do you ask for forgiveness? And they're like, oh, I don't know, like maybe a couple days. I'm like, a couple days. Why? Why a couple days? And they're like, well, like, I just don't wanna do this again. So like, I wait and like, I make sure I learn my lesson. And I'm like, that, 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 that is not the gospel. That's a moralistic gospel. Every time we sin, every time we fall down, we go right to God. The Lord upholds all who are found and raises up all who are bowed down. Bowed down to who? When we fall, we look to Christ. He is the one who holds us. When we sin, when we fall short, we have a God who actually forgives. He is faithfully to forgive. See, and David knows this. So David, when he's writing this, he's experienced the depths of the depths. In his life, when he was king, uh, he slept with one of his best friend's wives, Uriah the Hittite. Uriah was a part of David's mighty men, a guy who went everywhere with David. And then when she got pregnant, he sent him out to the front lines. So he dies. And he experienced God's forgiveness. Because he asked. He said, God, he, he wept for his sin. This is a man who knows the forgiveness of God from doing terrible things and from bowing down to God and seeing how God is faithfully to forgive. We are to go to him. We can't add to our salvation by like punching ourselves in the face, being like, don't do that again, don't do that again. How we become more sanctified as we go to Christ more often. We go to Christ more often because he is the one who saves. You can't beat yourself up enough to stop sinning. You can't self-discipline yourself enough. What we do as Christians is we go to him because he is the one who forgives. He is the one who cares so much more for us. He is such a better master. See, let's look think of it like this. If you are a little kid and you're on uh, the jungle gym and you are wanting to jump off and your dad stands there and he's like, Hey, Jimmy, don't jump off. You're going to hurt yourself. And you're like, dad, I'm, I'm four. (laughs) And you jump, you jump off little Jimmy, bam, broken leg. What would an average dad do? Oh, you know what? I told you you're going to do that. So I'm just going to let you sit here for the next four hours. You know what? I'm going to go out, grab a coffee. I'll come back. You just sit here in that pain of that broken leg and then you'll learn your lesson. I mean, I hope not. I, ho- I, hope, th- I hope that's not your reaction. Our, the reaction is, even though you disobeyed, doesn't the dad still love the kid? Doesn't the dad still pick up the kid and say, it's going to be okay and take them to the hospital and seek treatment right away? There's no this four, five, six, seven, eight, Let's you know what. Let's just wait a couple days to see if it's actually broken. Why do we feel like we have to wait to come to God? Why do we feel like we just have to punish ourselves more? Let me just feel this pain a little bit longer. Jesus' sacrifice is so much better than your self-pain. Go to Him who is faithful. Because he is faithful to forgive. Go to him. He's He's faithful to forgive. He's also faithful to love us. He's faithful to love. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. Verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cries and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. See, when we are adopted into the family of God, when we say, Jesus, I want to follow you forever, when we become a son, when we become a daughter of the one true king, He is faithfully righteous and God will always do what is right. He is faithfully near and never be far from you. He is faithfully loving and will never stop loving you. He is faithfully persevering and he will never stop holding on to you. That is who God is. That is the theology, some of the theology of who God is. And so that knowledge that we can actually appropriately praise him, our theology leads to doxology. Because God is faithful to love. He has proven it in the past, and he'll continue to prove it in the future. Because he loves us. The Lord preserves all who love him. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. The Lord is near to all who call on him. This is what David is saying who he is, who God is. This is the kind of God he is that he is always faithful to the end. Uh, When I was young, uh, we lived in uh, like a classic BC box. You walk in and split level. Uh, There were about 15 steps upstairs, about 12 downstairs. Uh, My sisters, twins, when they were like all the way up into grade two, they would love to run off the top of the steps and just jump into my dad's arms, right? Um, so they would do this, and since there's two of them, they always have to do everything together, so they would often jump two at a time down like 15 steps, and most of the time, not giving any warning to my dad. So a lot of times, he'd come home from work, he'd have stuff in his hands, he'd open the door, and then just the pitter-patter of feet, and he's like, uh-oh. So I to throw all his stuff and catch my sisters. Do you think my dad dropped them once? No. Why? why would my dad not drop them? Because he loves them. He cares for them. He's faithful to them. How much more does our God love us? Isn't he always faithful? Doesn't he always love us? Isn't he always near to us? So this is the kind of God that we serve. So when David, when David writes this Psalm, this is from experience of a faithful God, faithfully loving him for his whole life, how he has been faithful in the past, he's faithful in the present, he'll be faithful in the future. Dear Christian, don't we have so much more insurance than even David? We have Christ who lived, he died, he rose again, and now sitting at the throne, and he calls you his, who could ever, ever take you away from him? Our God is great. Our God is faithful. So let's praise him, let's remember him, and let's proclaim him because he is faithfully forgiving and he is faithfully loving. Let's pray. Father, uh, we see in your text of how great you are of how amazing your works are and how you've actually reached into us and saved us. Father, I pray that we would know you. Father, I pray that we would have this relationship with you, that we'd actually know you so that we can praise you. Help us be a light in this world. Help us understand who you are, so that we can praise you, remember you, and proclaim you to everyone around us. Father, work in our hearts so that we love you more, and that translates to loving people more. Amen.